Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Catherine Tonko Ong. She's a certified master athletic administrator, and she's the director of student activities at the Brent International School in Manila in the Philippines. So Catherine, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Jake. I'm, I'm so honored to be here. Well, um, the life of an athletic director is uh, certainly busy on a regular day, and uh, you know, you're working from the States right now, so uh, let's jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests, so tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you went to school, where you grew up, uh, college life, and, and maybe how that got you into uh, a job in educational athletics. Okay, so um, I, I come from two backgrounds. My father is from the Philippines and my mother is from the US. And um, so I've spent time in both countries. I pretty much grew up here in, in the US and then went back for high school and college in the Philippines. And so getting into being an athletic administrator, well, I was always an athlete growing up, uh, but never did I think that my path would lead me to, be an, to being an athletic administrator. And mine was quite um, an unconventional way to get to where I am now. My career was in a totally different industry and that was in the broadcast industry. And so I've spent 12 years in that career, longer than I have been an athletic administrator. And so, uh, and getting into being a broadcaster was, I was in second year college and uh, there was a revolution and our government was thrown out and they needed some employees to be in the um, news department for the government television station. And so I was told to go in by one of my father's friends and I went in and that was the start of my news anchoring career, which spanned uh, a dozen years and so that that was fun but very un, untraditional so I don't have an education a background in education um, I do have a background in sports though and that's how I became an athletic administrator is through coaching my son in baseball and my daughter in softball and from there I, I um, we were very successful in little league so I think I was a coach for maybe about six or seven years in, in baseball 
And that's when some parents of the international school that I work for now recommended me to be the baseball coach at Brent. So that's technically how I was hired to join the school. And then slowly I worked my way into the athletic department coaching other sports and then um, became full-time, uh, basically a volunteer with my two kids going to school there. And when my predecessor, who was a 34-year veteran, when he retired, he recommended me to take his place. And there you have it. I still feel like a rookie up till now, but that's, that was my uh, way into the athletic administrating job. Well, that's not such an unusual job, you know, granted you had the, uh, the first career, but, um, you know, starting as a coach, you know, picking up some extra sports, moving into administration, that, that's not so atypical as you might think. Um, in our job, in any job, we always talk about the importance of leadership and uh, mentors. Uh, tell us who some of your mentors have been, uh, maybe back in college or uh, just professionally, uh, whose voice can you still hear uh, as you talk to your students and your coaches each day? Well, definitely my predecessor. Um, he was a longtime well-known athletic administrator in, in the whole region. Um, and in, we have a international school uh, conference of 12 schools and he was a veteran and, and his shoes were hard to fill and he, but he helped me a lot. So he mentored me almost every day, I think, I would say, I kept calling him for three years into this job. And I still do call him now um, when I need help. And, and so he's definitely been a mentor to me. Um, also my coaches growing up who taught me, it's not just about skill, but it, it's about leadership, specifically a basketball coach that I had in high school. So, but definitely my, my predecessor. Um. We have a lot of um, younger ADs listening and some veterans too. Uh, and oftentimes they'll see, you know, on your name, you know, CMAA or on my name, CMAA. I've been doing this a lot longer. But um, they don't always understand the path that leads up to that. So share a little bit about your experience uh, getting involved uh, with athletic administration and then getting involved with our professional organization. Um, so, I mean, getting involved in the athletic administration, I did not realize that I would be in it, but I, I love this job and I consider myself an athlete. And so this was just so natural for me, as I'm sure it is for all of the younger and, and the veteran 80s there. Um, but I have to say that I did not know anything when I first went into this job. It's been a process of learning on the go. But without the help of the NIAAA, I would be doing so many things wrong. And so I, I'm just overcome with how much the NIAAA has helped me. And one of the things that, that I wrote down about the organization is that it, it floored me to find out how unselfish people are and how unselfish the organization is. And it's just so many people and so many veteran athletic administrators um, who just want to give back and, and for no other reason than just wanting to share their knowledge and, and their expertise. And, and so one of my goals, because I believe in the organization so much, is to spread um, all of the wealth of knowledge that the NIAAA has with regards to um, 
bringing out speakers to, let's say, to Asia, um, the LTI courses. One of my goals is to make the NIAAA accessible in Asia and in the Asia region so that it's not so expensive for us to come to the national conference in December or come to the national conference, but have more um, knowledge and professional development because now we have people who can come to Asia and teach it, or even from within our organization, we've gone from maybe one athletic administrator or two who could teach in our regional conference to now I think we're up to six, who can teach, who've taken the 790. And, and so my recommendation, especially for all the new athletic administrators out there is, I highly recommend the, the NADC conference. I mean, I've been to maybe eight now and I, I just am overwhelmed and just um, so appreciative of all the workshops you can attend and then all the LTIs you can sign up for. But it's 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 face to face with people who know what they're doing and the atmosphere and, and everybody's just there to learn. So I highly recommend to the young athletic administrators, even to the veteran veterans, to go to that conference. Hopefully we'll have it this year. Um, because there's nothing that can take the place of that. But otherwise, if you can't make it, then the online courses also are are huge. And if you can do both, that would be even better. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. There's nothing like doing it in person. And uh, um, again, we uh, hope that we're going to have the national conference this year uh, in Tampa. We're recording this in August and it's going to air probably in September, but uh, by that time we'll know. Um, right. And as far as, um, you know, locally there, if, if you need any instructors, I would certainly, uh, you know, love to come over and, uh, and work with some of your uh, athletic directors uh, in your region. Okay. Oh, that would, that sounds great. See, this is what it's all about. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you've been uh, on the job now as an AD for 10 years. Um, in looking at um, how you go through your daily routine with your students, your coaches, parents, etc. Uh, how have you seen the job of an athletic director change in those 10 years from when you first started uh, to now? What are some of the changes that you've seen take shape? I think probably the most notable change um, that I've seen from the point where I started to this point are the the emphasis on child protection, especially in international. Um, we, uh, my conference of 12 schools with schools in uh, Japan, China, Hong Kong, if you include that, Korea, uh, Philippines, and um, Vietnam, we are a homestay program. And therefore, child protection has been a huge, not an issue, but a huge um, push for us to put protocols in place, especially for homestay. But we also do hotel stay, let's say, for our swim programs. And so a lot of us have attended child protection conferences. I attended one in India. And so that's been a huge difference in, in like protocols and the way our coaches um, deal with, well, in the faculty as well, how they deal with the kids and I have a lot of local coaches too that are not faculty and so all the more I need to train them about on on child protection and the and the different protocols and so I found that coaches responsibilities um, have increased because of that so it's not just the training now and and the, the leadership but it's also they've got to take into consideration um, other things that maybe they used to do before that was okay and now can't be done anymore. 
Um, the other thing I had listed down um, that I feel has been a big change since I started is that I think on, on teams now, it's more about developing the whole child and developing obviously their sports skills and, and how good they are at that sport. But now I, I feel that coaches are coming around to the fact that it's also about the whole child and developing and, and teaching them how to win, how to lose, and, and everything you know that, that comes with that and the lessons learned there, especially how it's not, you can't quit. Um, so that's another thing that I think has changed in the past 10 years. There's more emphasis on that. Um, and, and the coaches improvement, I think in the very beginning when I was just trying to keep my head above water, um, I didn't think about professional development for my coaches. Um, and now thanks to the NIAAA and the other classes I've taken through the NIAAA, that takes a bigger place in, in my routine now is trying to bring professional development, be it things like um, how, to, how to tape um, or um, the standard ones of, um, what do you call it, first aid and, and AED and all of that. But even more than that, you know, going beyond that, that's changed a lot from year one to year 10 now for me. Oh, no, absolutely. I think you'd see the same thing in uh, um, schools here in the United States as well. Let's go and talk about COVID. Uh, you know, certainly it's, it's impacted uh, uh, our jobs. Uh, I'm curious, um, you know, how, how, um, what's the state at the, the Brenner International School right now? I mean, what's going on? Are you back in classes? Are you planning on going back? Is it going to be virtual school, a combination? Uh, what's going on uh, in the Philippines? So the Philippines is not in a, in a good state right now with regards to um, the number of cases that, that we have. Our president has declared that all classes will be online and he's declared it until January uh, 2021. Now, the government can change its mind, okay? And, you know, we're hoping that if the situation gets better, then the president will change his mind. But for right now, he's actually stated that there will be only online classes until January 2021 and that there is no activities. He's also stated no activities for the entire school year, okay? Um, which goes for local schools until April. And for us, that would be until the end of May. Now, again, I think that that's gonna change depending on the situation and my plans that I'm putting in place, I'm putting in place uh, redesign and return to play protocol. So I'm hoping that by, by January, the end of January, we'll be able to have in-person classes again. But meanwhile, we have declared to our community that we will be online until the end of the first quarter, which is October 5. Um, but that is a hopeful prediction and will likely be online until January, unless things change with the number of cases in, in the Philippines. But it doesn't look like we're headed that way. Yeah. Well, we've seen um, in the United States a variety of responses from state to state. You know, this state is opening without restriction. You know, this state is completely canceled sports and everything in between. Uh, Florida, you know, we just decided uh, last week, our state association, that uh, we had delayed for a month. 
but uh, now it's it's kind of business as usual. And uh, so we, we're going to see what happens, uh, but uh, it's going to be exciting. Well, and, and one of the good things about our declaring going online until at least October is that I get the benefit of seeing what you're doing in Florida and, and what the other states are doing and how it's working out. So I get the benefit of learning from all of of the lessons that are coming out now, plus um, the situation with the virus itself, you know, is ever changing. And so it's bought me a little bit of time in preparing for what will likely be a January return to in-person. So for that, I'm appreciative that I've got the benefit of seeing what everybody else is doing. Well, we'll do our best to, uh, try to, to not mess it up and give you a good example down here in Florida. Um, next question. Um, I've been asking our uh, uh, athletic directors this question. I'm curious uh, as to your response. Uh, this past spring uh, in the United States, we saw just a, a tremendous increase uh, in the awareness of, you know, social issues, you know, regarding, you know, gender and race. And uh, uh, I'm curious as to, you know, what's your feeling of, of the pulse uh, in your school, in your area? And, and again, the question is, what can we as athletic directors, how can we do a better job of being more aware of, you know, these, these social issues and how they impact our students? So in, in my school, um, the biggest social issue that the students are, are aware of and the faculty as well is the inequality in, in, in income. So we are a third world nation. And as a result, we have a huge percentage of the population on, who are underprivileged, um, you know, considered poor. And it, I am so proud of our student body because that's nearby and and we raise money these students raise money for them so those are the main issues we face in in our school in our third world country with regard to race um, it's it's quite different because like my school we have 42 different nationalities so we've got all sorts of, of, of beautiful people and so that's not something that we face in the same way as a lot of the schools here do. It's, it's just acceptable that with 42 different nationalities, you're, you're different from me, but yet we're, we're both the same and, and we're, we're just all wonderful. So, um, I mean, and I feel very thankful about that, um, but again, we deal with other things. We're not free from any problems. We, we deal with the third worldness and, you know, beggars on the street and, and how can we help them and, and then the environmental issues, being a third world country, that's something that we're not up to speed on as a country. We're not up to speed on that as well, like recycling and, and not throwing trash. And, and so um, our students are very involved in Green Earth Ambassador and, and um, those kind of clubs and outreach. So I, I hope I answered your question. It wasn't a direct answer, but... No, I think it was a great answer. And again, it's one of the neat things about having you on uh, as a guest is, you know, we all get to hear about, you know, how things work in, in not just another school, but another part of the country. Uh, so no, I appreciate you sharing. Uh, let's go and uh, 
shift gears. Uh, what are some of your favorite uh, aspects of being the athletic director at Brand International? You know, what gets you excited about going to work each day? I, I love to be with the kids. And, and as I said earlier, I also coach. Um, so I like mentoring the kids. There are two. So as an athletic administrator, I like to mentor them. I don't like the disciplinary side of my job because that's, you know, I feel like, um, I, but I have to do it. That's, that's part of it. Um, we've got all sorts of rules and the kids break all sorts of rules. But at the same time, the way I look at the disciplining side of it is that maybe this is an opportunity where I can mentor them and, and hopefully, even if they're young, hopefully some of what I say will go through. So it's discipline and mentoring at the same time. So I really enjoy being with the kids and I get to travel a lot with the team. So if I'm not coaching, I get to travel for our conference, our culminating tournaments. Um, and so I love spending time with those athletes and their coaches. Um, at the tournaments and, and at the festivals. I've been to an orchestra festival two years ago and, and then, uh, you know, swim meet, huge swim meet. And so I just love doing that. That's one. Um, I also like to, I'm not very good at it, but I'm learning to coach the coaches. And so I'm trying to develop um, workshops for both my local coaches and then um, encourage the faculty coaches as well. So that's one of the things I've been working on and, and I enjoy seeing them um, spread that information to the kids about sportsmanship and leadership and character. Um, so those are the, those are my two favorite things. Oh, and I think most ADs have answered that very similarly, you know, working with the kids and, and working with the coaches. Um, well, Catherine, this has just been wonderful. I've really enjoyed uh, visiting with you, but we're not done yet. Okay? Our final question, we call the athletic director's toolbox. So you are now an experienced veteran athletic director, and your job is to send a brand new rookie athletic director out on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. What three things are going to go in Kat's athletic oh, director's boy. toolbox? Okay, um, let me think. Um, and probably the things I'm gonna say are from the NRAAA classes I've learned. Um, I guess the first thing is um, learn diplomacy and how to de-escalate a situation. Because I think that's, that's a lot of what I do is, is de-escalate. Unfortunately, that's part of our job. So diplomacy and de-escalation, I think, is, are good tools to have in your arsenal. Um, uh, I, I had actually written them down, and now I can't find it anymore. Um, I think I would say keep coaching. I know that a lot of us don't have the time to do that, but I think it is a good tool if you want to term it that way because it keeps you in touch with the students with the athletes but it also keeps you in touch with coaches so so they can relate to you in that manner they're not going to say well how do you know you're you're not a coach um you can directly relate to them because you're still there and you're still coaching same with the student athletes you you are coaching them so you are in touch with them plus it probably helps keep you young a longer time um and and then the third one 
this one probably I really got from the NIAAA is to keep everything in order in your office, document everything you can, um, both for organizational sake, um, plus it just helps you run a better show if you keep everything documented and, and helps you not forget to do anything, helps you be more organized in the running of the office side of it. So those would be my three. And those are three great, great suggestions. They'd be valuable for any athletic director. Well, Catherine, this, again, this has just been great. Uh, best of uh, success as you return to your school. And, uh, you know, we're going to you know, be hoping that things open up for you. You know, worst case in January, who knows, maybe even a little bit sooner. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much, Jake, for having me. Well, um, for our listeners, thank you for uh, tuning in. Come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD Podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.